God. Uh, we are in week two of a series called The Journey. This series is loosely based off of a book that I recently wrote called Journey into a Greater Concern. And if you are taking notes with us today, if you want to take notes on your phone or, or uh, whatever you brought with you, if you're taking notes online, the title of today's message is this, Experience and Potential. The title of today's message is Experience and Potential. Now, if I were in one of those meetings where I had to introduce myself and say what I had recently been struggling with or what I struggle with in general in life, I would start out the meeting like this. I would say, hello, my name is Scott and I struggle with confrontation. I am not good with confrontation, which was really an interesting thing for me to find out about early in adulthood because I had no problem getting in front of a group of people like this and talking and, and chatting and giving a speech or a sermon or whatever that looks like, but I don't like one-on-one -on -one confrontation and conflict. Can anybody nod with me if you feel the same way? It makes you a little bit uncomfortable. It makes you a little bit uneasy. It's one of those things we don't like to admit to people that we don't like it, but we don't like it. And we say things like, oh, I would have told them this. I would have said that to them. I would and then you would never actually say those things to the people. But, you know, I, I would, I, if, if, I, you know if it was a different context and a different time, I would have said that. Yeah, of course you would have. But, you know, it's, we don't like it. It makes us uncomfortable. Because when you confront someone, you never know how they're going to respond. You never know exactly how, how they're going to respond to what it is you have to say. But, but here's the thing that I began to notice is that a lot of us are at some spot in our lives. There's another place that we want to get to. We know that maybe even God is calling us to that place or to that new season in our lives. But for us to get to that place, oftentimes we have to confront something, or we have to confront someone. And what I've noticed a lot of the time is that the reason people end up stuck in the status quo, or they end up stuck in a life that is beneath the intention that God has for them, is because we become afraid, we become scared, and there's an unwillingness to confront the thing in front of us to get to where it is that God wants us to go. And when that happens, it's very easy to get bitter, it's easy to get upset. It's easy to become frustrated. But if we want to move from the place where, where, where we are to where God wants us to go, oftentimes we find out that what we need to do is we need to confront something or we need to confront someone. Maybe we even need to confront a group. And that can be very intimidating. Now, in this series, we're following along with Jacob. We find the story of Jacob in the book of Genesis. It's the first book in the scriptures. If you want to follow along, we're going to be in Genesis 31 today. But if you weren't here with us last week or if you weren't watching last week, just to bring you up to speed, you can find the message on our YouTube channel as well. But just to kind of give you a quick summary, Jacob was a guy who was all about burning bridges. Jacob, Jacob was, had a brother named Esau. He stole the birthright and the blessing from his brother, which completely burned a relational bridge between him and his brother. So then his mother, Rebecca, Jacob's mother, is like, hey, you need to get out of here. You need to run away. So he ran away to his uncle Laban. And Jacob was a master manipulator. He, ma he manipulated his father, Isaac. He manipulated his brother, Esau. And then he gets to Laban, and he ends up being manipulated by Laban. Laban tricks him into working for him for seven years to marry his daughter, Rachel. But then he says, hey, I'm going to give you Leah instead. And then he ends up working another seven years so he can also marry Rachel. And then Jacob ends up working for Laban for a total of 20 years. Jacob works for Laban for 20 years years. 
And now Jacob's at a season where God has spoken into his life, and he's saying, hey, Jacob, it's time for you to now get away from Laban and move into the future that I have for you. But for Jacob to do that, he's going to have to confront two very scary things for him. He's going to have to eventually go back to where God brought him from and confront his brother Esau, who had wanted to kill him for stealing the birthright and the blessing. But he's also going to have to confront Laban. We're going to talk about Esau next week. But today I want us to talk about Laban and confronting the Labans in our life. Because Laban puts Jacob in a very interesting scenario. It, it, the, what Laban does to Jacob makes us ask an interesting question that many of us, you may have never asked it in this way before, but think about this question. What do you do when that which controls you is also protecting you? Think about that for just a minute. And I'll, I'll unpack it and explain it in case you're like, well, what exactly are you asking? But think about that for just a minute. What do you do when that which controls you is also protecting you? Laban was controlling Jacob for 20 years, taking advantage of him, taking, uh, manipulating him, not treating him fairly. He was controlling Jacob, but he was also protecting him. He was protecting him from his past. He was protecting him from his brother Esau. And if you've had somebody or something that's similar to a Laban in your life, you get to this crossroads where you have to ask yourself, does the thing, does the benefit that this thing or this someone, does the benefit of having them in my life outweigh the manipulation that they have over me? Does the benefit outweigh the control? Because Laban was controlling Jacob, but he was also protecting him. So this is a very scary thing for Jacob to have to confront because for him to confront Laban, he's going to have to say, I also no longer want that protection from my brother. I'm going to go back and face that. Let me, let me bring this into our, our, a more modern context a little bit. Maybe for you, it's a bad job situation and you continue to go to this job. And in some ways, it's almost an abusive scenario between you and your boss. Maybe it actually is abusive. That would be the word to use for it. All kinds of abuse can happen in the workplace. I don't need to go into all the specifics, but maybe that's what it is. But you continue to go back to it because the protection of a paycheck. And that which controls you in an unhealthy way that is harming you and hurting you is also protecting you. You got to pay your mortgage, right? That's a tough place to be in. That's a real tension to wrestle with. Or, or maybe it's a manipulative family member or a manipulative friend. And as I talked about on our, at our worship night, you would call this person a relational vampire. And they just suck all of the life out of you all of the time. They don't give. They just always want something more, always want something more. And, it's, and it's, you know it's a manipulative relationship. You know that it's wrong. You know you need to confront it and say something and do something about it. But there's also a companionship. There's a community. There's a comfort that exists within that relationship. And you think, do I really want to put that out there? What do you do when that which controls you is also in some ways insulating you or protecting you? 
Maybe you've been talking about, I would really like to get my finances in order and build up a portfolio so that you know I can have a, a stable life and everything will be good, but you just can't stop spending because you want to keep up with everybody else and your spending is actually a way for you to hide some of your own internal insecurities so that you can look like you're keeping up with everybody else. And, and this bad habit is controlling you, but it's also protecting you from having to deal with some internal things that you've been avoiding dealing with. Maybe it's an addiction to a substance or an addiction to some content that you know you should not be consuming or watching. And it has a control over you. It has a hold over you. You continue to turn to this. And you say, I know this is bad, but it's offering me a sense of wholeness and satisfaction, at least in the moment. I might feel guilty afterwards, but in the moment, it's giving me something. What do you do when that which controls you is also in some ways protecting you? It's giving you something. What do you do when you have that Laban in your life? And then God speaks so clearly that it's time for you to confront that. It's time for you to move forward from that. It's time for you to be set free. But you're saying, I just don't know if I have the courage to face it. What do you do in that moment? How do you move forward? And this is a great part of Jacob's journey because it's when he starts to get out of self-concern and starts to live in the reality of God's greater concern for his life. And so we're going to see here from the life of Jacob how we can have the courage and the boldness to confront that which is controlling us so that we can move forward into the potential that God has called us and created us for. So the first thing is this. It's pretty simple. Listen for God. Listen for God. God is alive he is active. He is speaking. I cannot say that enough here. God is interested in you. God loves you. God has something for you. And he may speak something that may make you a little bit uncomfortable, but it's ultimately for your good. And when you allow him to do something for your good, he will shape your life to work for the good of others. Amen. Listen for God. And when Jacob was in this dark moment where he had been working for Laban for 20 years, God so clearly comes to him and speaks to him. Look at this in Genesis chapter 31. Uh, God came to Jacob and says, For I have seen everything that Laban has been doing to you. I've seen it all. I haven't just been hiding out. I haven't been in and out. I haven't been, you know, seen a little bit Jacob and then not paying attention. He says, No, Jacob, I, God, I have seen everything that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a memorial stone, where you made a vow to me. Now arise, leave this land, and return to the land of your birth. God saw it all. And wherever you're at in life right now, if you feel like something or someone has control over you, God sees, God feels, God hears, God knows, and most importantly, above all else, God intends to deliver you. God sees, God feels, God hears, God knows, and God delivers. So wherever you're at right now, God is the God of deliverance, and he will deliver you. He hears, he feels. so listen for him. Take that time away to listen to him. His voice will speak so clearly into your life. And you may be saying, I don't know if I can do that, but he will speak clearly. He has something for you, and he is the great deliverer. 
And, and so, but there, there are two lies that Jacob could have easily believed in this moment. And these two lies are lies that all of us could believe as well. And the first lie is this. <laughs> There's no way that's God really speaking to me. I'm just too broken. I've done too many, I, I, I've done too much damage. I have too many demons. I've hurt too many people. That's what Jacob did. He left his family in shambles and manipulating his father and his brother. He could have looked at his past and said, you know what? <laughs> I've just done too much, too much wrong, too much hurt. God could never use someone like me. God would never want to speak to someone like me because of everything that I have done. The, the, the scriptures tell us that, that, that God shows no favoritism. Paul writes to Timothy that God desires for all men to be saved. Christ loves you. He came to die for you. And so no matter what's in your past, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, no matter who you've hurt, there is redemption and reach for you in Christ Jesus today. Amen. For all people in all places, there's redemption and reach for you. Just call upon his name. Don't believe that lie. The second lie is this. Jacob could have believed, oh, you know, I'm the moron that gave into working for Laban for 20 years. I'm just a fool. I'm just an idiot. God would never want to use someone as dumb as me. I'm, a, I'm, I'm just a moron. I, I'm, that, I'm that fool. He could have believed that. And you might be thinking, oh, I'm just not smart enough. I'm not good enough, man. I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just foolish as well. God could never use someone like me. God uses the foolish, the foolish things. The things that the world's called foolish, God can redeem those and turn those around as well. And he is the source of our strength. And we will, here's the good news. When you come to Christ, you don't have to worry about boasting in yourself. We've been given something to boast in. And the name is the Lord Jesus Christ and he is resurrected and he is alive and we can boast in the source of the strength that he gives us. So don't believe the lies. Don't believe the lies that I'm too broken. Don't believe the lies that I'm too stupid or not good enough. God loves you and he has something for you. Listen for him and he will speak to you. Wherever you are, whoever you are, wherever you're from, God intends to speak to you. But once God speaks to you, this leads us to our second step. You have to be willing to risk living in freedom. There's a risk involved that comes living in freedom. I like talking about risk. I talk about risk a lot. Risk is just a cooler way of saying faith, you know. You got to have faith in God. You got to risk trust in God. You got to take a risk in following him just sounds exciting to me, but <laughs> Jacob was now at a place where he had to risk living in freedom, and he was going to go on the same journey that he had already been on in a physical sense. He had been on this journey before when he came to Laban, so now he's going back to where he came from. So physically speaking, he's been on this journey before, but in essence, it's a completely different journey. It's a risk, because Jacob had started out running from something. Now he's running to something. He's running to what God has for him. He's running to a greater concern. He's running to living beyond himself and getting over himself. And he's running to something. But here's, here's what we have to know. When you begin to risk living in freedom and you step out of that thing that was controlling you and you begin to let God take, this, take over the story of your life, you say, I'm not going to write this story anymore. God's going to write the story of my life. He's in control. I'm trusting in him. He's got this. And I'm sure there's some people who can testify to what I'm about to say. As soon as you start to break free from that which is controlling you, it will chase you down. Can I get an amen, anybody? 
It'll chase you down. But guess who will chase you down even faster than control and with an even stronger hold than control? Our God will chase you down as well. And he knows it's coming, but you gotta be ready for it. Because Laban, he comes chasing after Jacob. He comes after him. That which was controlling Jacob comes after him. And he comes after him with a seemingly enticing argument. Look at what he says to Jacob in Genesis chapter 31. Then Laban said to Jacob, what have you done by deceiving me? Jacob tried working around this. Jacob tried, I'm going to try to not confront Laban and then go to where I need to go. But, but he, it didn't work. Laban caught up to him. Because whatever's controlling you is going to chase you down because it needs you. It's feeding off of you. It's sucking the life out of you. And so it's going to come after you because it's feeding off of you. And so, so Laban, what have you done by deceiving me and carrying away my daughters like captives of the sword? Why did, they flee, why did you flee secretly and deceive me? How dare you, Jacob? How could you do this to me? And you did not tell me so that I might have sent you. Jacob, if you, would have, if you would have just told me, if you would have just told me, Jacob, things are great, I'd have sent you away with joy and with songs, with tambourine and with lyre, and did not allow me to kiss, you didn't allow me to kiss my grandchildren and my daughters. How dare you, Jacob? We don't live in a COVID world. You can kiss people. But anyways, now, now you have indeed gone away because you longed greatly for your father's house, but why did you steal my gods? And somebody in Jacob's caravan had stole some of Laban's idols. We're not gonna get into that. But Laban came chasing Jacob down. And what I love is this one part. He says, it is in my power to do you harm, but the God of your father spoke to me last night. Don't you love that God wasn't just speaking to Jacob, but he was also working behind the scenes, speaking to Laban, saying, Jacob's mine, get away from him. He's doing that for you as well. Whatever's controlling you, God's speaking into that as well and saying, stay away. He's mine, she's mine. God is always working. He's working behind the scenes. He's always at work. But Laban comes in with an enticing argument. Hey, how could you do this? And I could have thrown you a party. Things that are in great, Jacob. Honestly, this is my, this is my greatest fear with conflict. My greatest fear with conflict is not that somebody would yell at me and freak out on me. I don't like that. It makes me uneasy. My greatest fear with conflict is that somebody would come to me with an enticing argument that would just outsmart me and outwit me. And I would leave the conversation with the George Costanza, that's what I should have said. Remember that? The, the ocean called. They said they're running out of shrimp, George. You know, the jerk store called. They said they're running out of you. Anyways, all my Seinfeld friends. But, but that's what I, that's what, haven't you done that before? Don't you hate that? Somebody comes to you and you, you are all prepped. I know what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say it. You say it and then they say something back. And you're like, oh man. And then you leave the conversation. That's what I should have said. That's what I hate about it. That's what I hate about conflict. Because then you seem, well, maybe I should go back and say this. But then you're like, I don't want to seem really petty right now. I don't want to seem petty. I don't want to bring it up again. We've moved on. I don't want to be a petty person. But this is, this is what Laban does. He comes with a very enticing argument. He's almost manipulated. He says, Jacob, I would have thrown you a party. Come on, man. He makes it sound way better than what it really was. And that's what control will do every single time. When control comes chasing you down, control will try to get you to believe a lie. Control will try to get you to believe that things were better than what they really were. Control will, will come to you with this beautiful box wrapped in wrapping paper with a gorgeous bow on top. And not to be crass, as soon as you take that box from them and open it up, you'll see that on the inside of it, I apologize, but I gotta make a point here, you'll see that on the inside of that box is a load of crap. That's all it is. Do not give in to the crap that is control. 
That's all it is. And control will constantly speak into your life. Whatever it is, it's trying to control you and manipulate you, and it will overpromise and underdeliver every single time. Control will say this if you don't have me, then you won't have blank. Fill in that blank. If you don't have me, then you won't have comfort. If you don't have me, then you won't have provision. If you don't have me, then you won't have satisfaction. If you don't have me, then you won't have community. If you don't have me, then you won't have wholeness. If you don't have me, then you won't have peace. Control will come along and say, if you don't have me, you won't have blank, just like Laban did. I would have thrown you a party. It would have been great, Jacob. Jacob, it wasn't as bad as you thought it was. What is it that's the labor in your life? What is the control? Is it someone? Is it a group of people? Is it something? Or is it a distorted view of reality that's chasing you down? Here's what I know. I want some people to be set free from that today because Jesus Christ said this. He said, I am the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let the truth of who Jesus is set you free. Serve him above all else. Risk living in the freedom that he has for you because it feels like a risk at a moment, but it's truly not a risk because you're putting your life in the hands of the author of life. Risk living in freedom, and you will find in risk that's where the true reward is discovered. That's where true life is discovered. That's where you can break free from that which is trying to gain control over you and say, I am going to live in freedom because control just brings bondage. So listen for God. Risk living in freedom. It all sounds great. But when I'm living in freedom and control comes to confront me, what do I say in response Especially when the argument sounds so enticing to just go back to where I was. This brings us to our last step from Jacob. You have to cling to a greater promise. You have to cling to a greater promise. God has spoken promises over your life. God has spoken promises over each and every person's life in this place. And we're watching online. And when control comes in, control will try to speak a word over your life. But we have to know that God has a greater word, a more powerful word, a more authoritative word. And Jacob knew that to be true. Because I'm so proud of Jacob in this moment. He looks at Laban. Look at what he says to Laban in Genesis 31. He says, for these 20 years, I have been in your house. You can feel a little sass here. I served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock. And you you changed my wages 10 times. How dare you come to me and talk about a party? If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been for me, if God had not been for me, surely you, Laban, would have sent me away empty-handed. I'm on to your games now, Laban. You don't have control over me anymore. I know what you were trying to do. You just sent me away. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands. So what did he do? He rendered judgment last night. Jacob authoritatively spoke back to Laban. He spoke back to that which was trying to control him. And we can have the confidence to do that as well. Because just as God had spoken into Jacob's life, he's speaking into yours. I'm sure that in this moment, Jacob would have been reminded of the words that God spoke to him in Genesis 28 before he went on his first journey. When God said this to him in Genesis 28, 15. Behold, I am with you. He said this to him 20 years ago. 
I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have what? Promised you. Until I have done what I have promised you. Just as God spoke promises over Jacob's life, he is speaking promises over your life. And whatever word control tries to come and put over your life, he has authority over that word. And and whatever word control tries to speak into your life, it has to fall into submission to the King of kings and Lord of lords, who is Christ Jesus. He is the resurrected king. He conquered death. And he's spoken promises over your life. And so when control comes chasing after you, you just have to cling to a greater promise in Christ Jesus and say, I don't care who you think you are. I don't care what you think you have over me. I know that I am God's child and he has spoken over me and you have no authority in this place. Amen. Experience God. And when you experience God, you can listen for God. Then you'll get to know the promises of God. And maybe you're, maybe you're new to this whole faith thing. Great, we're so, we're so glad you're with us. Or maybe you're, 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 you've been doing this for a while and, and you're like, I don't really know what it means to cling to the promises of God. I would suggest getting to know him. Spend time with him. Spend time in his word. Spend time in prayer. Spend time with other believers. And you will get to know even specific promises God has for you. I've mentioned before that in my life, 2 Timothy 4, 5, that's God's verse for my life. That's a promise he's given me to do the work of an evangelist and fulfill my ministry. And God wants to give you that to cling to as well. So when control comes creeping and you can say, no, I have this greater promise to cling to. But just in case you need a little bit of encouragement today, I want to give you all some general promises that God speaks over all of us that you can cling to no matter the season, no matter the time, no matter the place, whatever is going on right now. Maybe you just need this today to get you started, to get you going. Here are some promises that we have from God. Hebrews 13, 5. God, guess what? He will never leave you. He will never abandon you. He has not forgotten you. God sees. God hears. God knows. God will never ever leave you. When God is for us, no one can stand against us. I don't care who your Laban is, that Laban is nothing in comparison to who our God is. When God is for us, no one can stand against us. God, what does he do? He works all things for the good of those who love him. Not just some things, not just the things. No, he works all things for the good of those who love him. Here's a good one right here, John 10, 10. God desires for you in Christ Jesus to have full and abundant life. Not just a whatever life. No, he desires for you to have full life in Christ Jesus. This is our core verse at New Story Church, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. When you are in Christ, you are a brand new creation. You're not refurbished. You're not used goods. You are brand new. You are not defined by your past, but you're defined by the future that Christ has for you. In John 1, 12, in Christ Jesus, you are his child. He has adopted you into his family. You are a part of the family of God. You are his child. You are his kid. And he loves you. Have an experience with God so you can know the promises of God. And when you know the promises of God, you will find that the promises of God are the gateway to your potential. The promises of God are the gateway to your potential. 
And when I, when I say potential, I don't mean some kind of self-serving, self-gratifying allure of fame. I mean the potential that he has wired within you to work for the greater concern of those around you. God has called us to go for the good, to serve others as Christ served us. And when you cling to the promises of God, you will be able to confront whatever your Laban is and move into the potential that he has for you. Because we'll see that God actually had amazing plans in store for Jacob to be a blessing to many people. And when you confront that, when you live in his promises, you can live in the potential and the greater concern that he has designed you for. Journey into that place. I want to bring you to one last promise. 1 John 2.25, John writes this. This is the promise which he himself made to us. Eternal life. Eternal life. First of all, it's unbelievable to think about that when we are in Christ, when we go into the next life, we will have eternal life. Something we can't even wrap our minds around because everything we know of has a beginning and an end. Never-ending eternal life. But I believe that when John was writing this, he wasn't just talking about the life to come. He was talking about this life as well. John 17, 3, eternal life is to know Christ. That an eternal life begins now. That we are not just talking about the life to come. While that is a great promise, when we see him, we'll be like him. That's a promise we have. But also an eternal life. This is about a new quality, a new substance of life that begins in this life. That we're no longer driven by self-preservation, temporary self-concern. But we are driven by an eternal perspective. Bringing God's kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. And working for eternity. That nothing we do is worthless. Nothing we do is in vain. And we are building the future that God has in mind. Let's journey into a greater concern together as a church. That's what I'm calling us to, church, to work for an eternal work, to be a part of what God is doing. Cling to his promises. That's the gateway to your potential. And he will lead you to a place where you cannot help but to work for the good of others. If you would, please bow your heads and join me in prayer in this moment. Jesus, thank you for the new life that you have given us. Thank you that you're doing a good work in each and every one of our hearts. And I pray that every person in this place, whether they're online or in person, they're all a part of our family. They're all a part. If they've given their lives to you, Christ, they're a part of your family. And I just pray for every person that whatever it is that may be having a hold of control over them, that you would give them the boldness and courage to confront it so that they can step into the future that you have for them. I pray that everyone in here, including myself, would have hearts to listen for you. That we would have the boldness in you, Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit within us to take a risk, to risk living in freedom. And that we would cling to the greater promises that you've given us. Speak to every one of our hearts today, God. Everyone heads down and eyes closed. If there's anyone here today that you've never given your life to Jesus, just pray a simple prayer. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just pray in your heart. Say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. This is saying, I turn from my old way of life. I'm embracing a new way of life, and I'm going to step into the eternal life that you have for me. He died and resurrected so that you could have life. Just pray in your heart. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I surrender my life to you.
Everyone has down nice clothes. If you prayed that prayer, would you be bold enough to just put your hand up for a second? I want to be able to pray for you. If you prayed it online, go to newstorybuffalo.com, fill out, get connected. I want to talk to you. I want to be able to connect with you, fill that out. If you prayed it in here today, would you be willing to raise your hand for just a moment? Awesome. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you're changing lives, that you're moving in people's hearts. And I pray that we would all see what it means to get out of self-preservation and self-concern and live in the greater concern that you've called us to. In your name I pray, amen. All right, everyone, hey, thank you so much for being here with us today. Just a few things before you leave today.